0: chapter one of riceman's steps this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by anthony ogus riceman's steps by arnold bennett part one chapter one riceman's steps on an autumn afternoon of 1919 a hatless man with a slight limp might have been observed ascending the gentle broad acclivity of riciman steps which lead from king's cross road up to riciman square in the great metropolitan industrial district of clerkenwell he was rather less than stout and rather more than slim his thin hair had begun to turn from black to grey but his complexion was still fairly good and the rich very red lips under a small greyish moustache and over a short pointed beard were quite remarkable in their suggestion of vitality the brown eyes seemed a little small they peered at near objects as to his age an experienced and cautious observer of mankind without previous knowledge of this man would have said no more than that he must be past forty the man himself was certainly entitled to say that he was in the prime of life he wore a neat dark grey suit which must have been carefully folded at nights a low white starched collar and a made black tie that completely hid the shirt front the shirt cuffs could not be seen he was shod in old black leather slippers well polished He gave an appearance of quiet, intelligent, refined and kindly prosperity, and in his little eyes shone the varying lights of emotional sensitiveness. Reisman's steps, twenty in number, are divided by a half-landing into two series of ten. The man stopped on the half-landing and swung round with a casual air of purposelessness, which, however, concealed imperfectly a definite design the suspicious and cynical slyly watching his movements would have thought what's that fellow after a man interested in a strange woman acquires one equine attribute he can look in two directions at once this man could and did look in two directions at once below him and straight in front he saw a cobbled section of king's cross road a hell of noise and dust and dirt with the county of london tramcars and motor lorries and heavy horse-drawn vans sweeping north and south in a vast clangour of iron thudding and grating on iron and granite beneath the bedroom windows of a defenceless populace on the far side of the road were conspicuous to the right the huge red nelgwyn tavern set on the site of nell's still huger palace and displaying printed exhortations to buy fruity portuguese wines and to attend meetings of workers and conspicuous to the left red rout and house surpassing in immensity even nell's vanished palace divided into hundreds and hundreds of clean cubicles for the accommodation of the defeated and the futile at a few coppers a night and displaying on its iron façade a newspaper promise to divulge the names of the winners of horse races. Nearer to the man who could look two ways lay the tiny open space, not open to vehicular traffic, which was officially included in the title Reisman Steps. At the south corner of this was a second-hand bookseller's shop, and at the north an abandoned and decaying Mission Hall both these abutted on King's Cross Road. Then, on either hand, farther from the thoroughfare and nearer the steps, came a few private houses with carefully curtained windows, and one other shop, a confectioner's. And next, also on either hand, two business yards, full of lorries, goods, gear, and the hum of hidden machinery. And the earth itself faintly throbbed, for to the vibrations of traffic and manufacture the underground railway running beneath ricerman's steps added the muffled uproar of its subterranean electric trains while gazing full at the spectacle of kings cross road the man on the steps peered downwards on his right at the confectioner's shop which held the woman who had begun to inflame him he failed to descry her but his thoughts pleasantly held her image and she held his thoughts he dreamed that one day he would share with her sympathetic soul his own vision of this wonderful clerkenwell in which he lived and she now lived he would explain to her eager ear that once clerkenwell was a murmuring green land of medicinal springs wells streams with mills on their banks nunneries aristocrats and holy clerks who presented mystery plays yes he would tell her about the dream of adam and eve being performed and the costume of adam and eve to a simple and unshocked people why not she was a widow and no longer young and he would point out to her how the brown backs of the houses which fronted on king's cross road resembled the buttressed walls of a mighty fortress and how the grim ochreish unwindowed backs of the houses of riciman square behind him looked just like lofty medieval keeps. And he would relate to her the story of the palace of Nelguin, contemporary of Louise de La Valliere, and dividing with Louise the honour of being the first and most ingenuous of modern vampires. Never before had he had the idea of unfolding his mind on these enthralling subjects to a woman. Rain began to fall. It fell on the bargain books exposed in a stand outside the bookseller's shop. The man did not move. Then a swift gentlemanly person stepped suddenly out of Kings Cross Road into the approach to the steps, and after a moment's hesitation entered the shop. The man on the steps quietly limped down and followed the potential customer into the shop, which was his own. End of chapter 1